Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, today we've got quite an interesting issue that we're going to challenge. And it's something I actually fall prey to myself quite frequently. I'm kind of like a magpie. If I see something shiny, I kind of like to play with it and I want to have a look at it. And that's all well and good. But if you're a small business owner, the problem is that there are so many digital products out there How do you know what's right for you and how can you stop spending too much on the wrong digital products for your business? That's the issue that we're going to challenge today. And helping me do that is a real, real expert in anything digital. Someone that has been working in digital industry for over 16 years, specifically in media and digital design. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show, Mr. Adam Smith from Rawnet. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, sir. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you. Excellent stuff. So before we dig into this, Adam, I think uh, quite a lot of people have heard of Rawnet here in the UK, but for our US listeners and our global listeners, let's just uh, let's dig into your background, please. So what do you do and where did you come from? Uh, sure. Okay. So, well, I'm the uh, MD at Rawnet. So we're a, we're, we're a digital agency, so we would create the products and um, sort of obviously invest in lots of products ourselves to sort of help our business and help our clients. Um, but in terms of background, I actually come from a a product background before before embarking on the agency. So I think that gives me quite a nice view of having been the client, but also being the sort of the advising agency as well for people looking to maybe design their own products or create something new for the market. So I guess it all started when, well, I was, I never quite decided whether I was a creative or a technical guy. I've always kind of walked straight down the middle of the, uh, of the two. And I guess that kind of lended itself to not really knowing because I was a pretty naff designer and I wasn't that good a coder. I was kind of a bit of everything, which kind of then led me down the more sort of commercial path, really, because I kind of had a, a good understanding of both sides, but not actually that skillful in either when it comes to actually building it myself. Um, but we had we, we used to I used to really get excited about products and how to make money online. Um, I guess this this would have been even sort of 15 years ago now. So we would make we'd be making websites and, and applications for clients and We'd always look at it and go, there, there's, there's better ways to do this. You're, you're just investing way too much on this. You've, you've thought of way too many things. Um, it's, I can't see this working. But obviously, as, as a small business, you, you, know, you, you go along with it. And the client sometimes, they're just so adamant of what they want to do. They just go ahead and create it anyway. Um, so we had a lot of experience of, A, people coming to us with their ideas. But also, more and more, we, we then started to develop our own products. We thought, well... Now, how do we prove that we know what we're talking about? We're going to need to have some sort of proof points out in the markets of products that we've designed ourselves. Um, so we, we started off sort of emulating a few um, business ideas that might be coming through. So I think the first one we started with, which is now, um, it's now a multi-million pound dating application. Uh, but this is one of the first ones we did sort of in-house as, as a business. Uh, and yeah, it was just an online dating application, but it was more of a, of, of a white label platform. So brands would come in, um, take care of all the marketing and we build build, build the tech behind it. Uh, so that kind of taught us, because it was our own money, it was our own credit cards, that kind of taught us how to be super lean when putting it together. We couldn't afford to be thinking big picture. We couldn't afford to take on the big guys. Uh, so I guess just in terms of knowing it's your own money, knowing it's what you're 
you know, it's, it's down to you whether it works or not. You're not going to start spending too much as much as much as you can. And that kind of has stayed with me all, all these years on. And I think it's something now that we like to bring uh, to clients. So, so basically, I sold that. I sold that business uh, maybe five or six years ago to then focus solely on the agency itself, um, but also to always keep a hand on other sort of good ideas that come up. And I guess the second one we've sort of created and launched is a is a virtual jukebox application. Uh, this is really for, um, so a lot of sort of pubs or any sort of open, uh, anywhere you're going to be playing music really, just to kind of re- redefine how the, the jukebox can work in, in a digital environment. Uh, selecting tunes from your phone, it was a nice sort of mar- marketing application. But again, we learned, we learned a lot when developing that ourselves because uh, we had to market it, we had to sell it, we had to go out to find partners to distribute it, as well as design it and build the product anyway. So it's really nice to get a full view of everything that it takes to make something successful, uh, and I guess because I've, you know, I've got those two sort of businesses under my belt, and then now I'm purely focusing on the agency itself. And what we do is we help other other clients who have their ideas, who are thinking about investing in in a product, um, whether it be for their own internal use or something they want to push out and sell themselves, or they're looking to get into the app market or be the next you know, dot com uh, success. Then that's that's where we would come in to kind of help them just to guide them through creating that. And obviously, we've, we've learned a lot along the way. We've seen stuff that hasn't worked so well. We've seen stuff flop. We've seen stuff um, explode in terms of success way beyond what any of us would have imagined. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a kind of nice nice kind of journey in terms of just always seeing it from both the inside and the outside in creating di- digital projects. It's a really interesting time that we're living. I, I sort of mentioned it at the beginning, and I, I, again, I mentioned that I kind of fall prey to this. If there's something new and shiny... One, you want to try it as a consumer, and two, if you've got a business, you kind of want to follow suit a lot of the time with with this kind of thing. Do you guys get many people coming in and saying, "Okay, I've seen X, Y, Z over there doing this. Can we just do that?" You know, do they do they tend to try and back onto things? Uh, yeah, so a lot of it would be yeah, say look at a me too idea where they they've seen something working and they they might have come up with um, a niche or a slight tact in market or a slight tact in audience. To then come up with what would be a new product, uh, but obviously there's a, there's a bit of an education phase in terms of well, you do realise these guys spent a lot of time getting to where they got to, and there's a reason that it works. Uh, so you just need to be sure that the kind of the angle that they're taking with this kind of fresh approach, we just need to ensure that that's good enough to make it stand out. Otherwise, it's just going to be a me too, and not really ever getting traction. I think that's a really interesting point, and just to kind of turn that on its head as well. I think if you're a small business owner or if you're specifically looking over the fence and saying, well, actually, I can probably niche this down a little bit further. As you say, I can come up with a, with a different marketing tact for my version of this kind of software. What is your advice to people who actually see that and do do the other thing, which is get disheartened because someone is already doing it? Is there any positive advice that you can give on that? Um, yeah, so well, they're going to be – so they may – be using the system, but something about it isn't quite right. So this is, they might be thinking, this this is 80% perfect for what I need. Um, it's re- Let's say, for example, it's a CRM. So they're saying, okay, this is this does everything. It looks after all of my contacts. It tells me who I need to call. It allows me to know, track my pipeline. But maybe it doesn't do this particular small thing that would make it a killer app for me. So that could be maybe marketing automation, which could be a separate product product. And I, I think what a lot of companies do, they have five or six systems really loosely joined together and then their own 
their own processes in sort of human time that goes into making them all work as a killer app. So the, the, the next step from that stage is to go, well, actually, well, why am I using five or six different systems to kind of do what I half want when I could take some time to think about, well, if I could get an app that does everything I need, then surely that's just going to be successful and clean up the market. So that's that's a positive because that's you know, you're scratching your own itch. You, you've seen a problem, you've identified it, and you're willing to to test that to market. But obviously, what you need to be careful of is every everybody works slightly differently. And if you try to be if you try to be all things to all men, then again, it's gonna it's gonna flop. So it's just a case of being focused and making sure that whatever new angle you are taking on this product, there's still there's still a strong focus on that, and it's still quite um, you still got sort of laser defined proposition of what that product's going to be i think that focus is really important i think that's something that we'll probably end up touching on later but i'd just like to dig a bit further into i guess the the reasons that people would actually commission a digital piece of software a digital product digital project because we do live in this world of, of software as a service we live in this world of um really quick access to really high quality products that are actually mm. really really cheap especially for small business and at what point does it become viable to start talking about doing this ourselves? Is that when you find an app that does 80% of what you want and only 20% you know, you need to add to it? Or are there other reasons to that? Are there business case reasons, budgetary reasons? What's the general gist behind that? Um, well, it's kind of 50-50. So half, yeah, as you say, half are looking to fix their own problem and, that, and they feel that there's a bigger picture to look at in terms of, well, if we're investing in something to do this, why not make it a product? Why not see if we can make it pay for itself by pushing it out there to other similar businesses? Um, but sometimes it could be completely random. It could it could have just bubbled up from a conversation in a pub. I mean, pretty much every time I go out and meet with friends, the, the topics normally come to, hey, Ads, I've got this new app idea. What do you think? And that's I, I don't know if that's just my circle of friends or because they know that I know a little bit about it. Um, but I'd imagine these conversations happen a lot because Mondays and Tuesdays we get a lot of um, sort of inbound inquiries for, hey, I've got this idea, wouldn't it be great if X, Y, Z? And you know it's just they're kind of reaching out a bit too early. They've, they've got a really loose idea. Um, but but again, that's that's where it comes from. You know, it's just it's just conversations. And you, you, you could be with a set of friends and you could all agree – Actually, I think we've come onto something here. Let's let's push this forward and see if it's viable. What I like about that is that it can be a conversation with friends that turns into a very very viable business. Just to turn that idea around, that okay, this it might be a loose idea right now, but if you're confident in that, you can actually pursue it at relatively low cost, can't you? You can start to firm things up into something a little bit more. Um, fixed, if you like, in terms of what the product does with very, very little investment. And then I guess come to someone like yourself to say, well, look, here's a very firm idea. Now what can we do next? And what if someone has this firm idea, so they've gone through this process of saying, well, you know, I kind of think it might solve this kind of problem. When they've gone through that, when they've firmed it up, what are the next stages from, from your perspective? How do you actually make sure that it's viable with people? Uh, yeah, so that's a very good point. So we would, we would, as tempting as it is, just to jump in and start designing it because that's that's obviously the fun side. Uh, you do have to take a step back. So, you know, we we would sort of encourage people to, you know, let's let's all take a step back. Let's boil down what it is you've got this idea. And sometimes that's a tricky conversation because if it's if it's your own idea, you've just you've got such passion for it, you can be a little blinded to to advice or to to the dangers or to, or to the negatives but it you just have to take these people through this process so we run we would run workshops where 
they essentially get a slice of the agency. So rather than you know, just talking to me, he might have a few ideas. It'll be, okay, well, let's get a UX guy in. Let's get a marketing guy in. Let's get um, some people with um, sort of the design experience who can be thinking more about the UX. Let's all, let's all get together and run that workshop and work out exactly what it needs to be. And the kind of output of that is essentially the perfect brief. So they would come with maybe a, a, a kind of fuzzy brief. I've got this idea. I think it can work. Uh, I believe there's a market for it. Um, I've got my marketing strategy lined up. So so let's go, let's go. And they're really excited and they, they just can't wait to start. But if the, the danger is is just is just starting without yeah, defining it too much. So we do like to spend that time up front in just creating that ultimate brief. And, that, that, and that's just sanity checking pretty much every angle. Um, it's taking features out as well, which which it sounds weird because obviously we we would sort of bill ourselves on the size of the project, but there's there's no point building a big project if it's going to flop. Um, so it's so you just really try to work out. Okay, well, if let's boil this down because at the moment you've just it, you, we've all got very excited and we've chucked in a million features, but if we try to explain what this app is to somebody, they're not going to get it. So is it an app to save them time or is it an app to drive more sales? Um, for example, so if if you're trying to put that to market, then the audience just they won't be able to grasp it because they won't understand what it is. So you have to go super simple. And as much as it'd be great if it did both things, what's the most unique aspect about this map about about this application? Well, actually, no. It's the real core killer feature of this application is that it saves it saves time. Um, the fact that it drives more sales, we can work on that later once we've got once we've got a user base. But let's 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 make this because it's a nice, concise, clear message. It's something that's going to be far far more easier to market, and it's something we can test for you know a, a lot less a lot less cost in terms of development time uh, and testing time. So it's just a case of boiling it down and working out what what does your first version look like. Um, but obviously, you've you've got the roadmaps to sort of keep them engaged, but you do need to. You do need to bottom out what version one looks like fairly quickly. Otherwise, it's going to suffer scope creep. And before you know it, you've made this big monster app that does lots of things, but not very well. Uh, whereas what you're really trying to do is say, well, it does this one thing and it does it perfectly and it's flawless. Uh, they're, they're the apps that are going to obviously be successful. And if you think of all the, all, this, all the real kind of success stories that are out there, they're not killer apps. They're not fix everything apps. They, are, they do one thing really, really well. Um, and yeah, they, they, that could have bought, that could have started just as easily as an idea in a pub, or it could have had a load of execs sitting around the table for days and days. Um, but generally, the, the ones that are successful are the ones that fix a problem, a very real problem, and it, and it fixes it well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's, as you say, they're not all the killer apps, but the, sometimes they're the apps or the pieces of software that if you were to, to remove them, you'd really feel the impact because the, the problem that it solves would just be steamrolling back into your life so i i get the idea of that it's not always the killer app so i think that's really really valuable and i guess just moving through the process then we we can ascertain from the developmental process the ideas process that if you can create a successful app yes of course you can make money with it and and when it, when we say app of course we don't just mean a, a mobile app for those guys listening out there it can be anything online it can be a digital piece of software that runs in a browser it can be anything that that solves a problem using mm-hmm online software so we get through this process we know it can solve our problems we know we can perhaps make money from it let's just spin that around again what happens if we get this wrong what happens if we do cram too many features you know we develop something that that no one wants what what can be the downsides and what are the options when something like that happens 
Uh, yeah, so the downsides, so very quickly you'll work out if it's not quite getting the traction you were expecting. So you might have a massive marketing campaign uh, and either people just aren't signing up because they don't get it or it's getting a high sign-up rate so people are downloading it and they're experimenting with the app but they're just not coming back. So, so but that's, that's, not that's not all doom and gloom because what you're getting there is is gold dust in terms of uh, feedback on on your on your idea, um, and as long as you were sensible in the development phase to begin with, hopefully you've not invested everything all in this one big thing so far. Um, you've gone to market and you've been sensible about that investment. And you know, the best case way to look at that is well, it's out there, but now we're getting real feedback. So we're finding that everybody's trying to do X Y Z but they're, they're struggling or nobody's looking at this feature. And then that's when it's totally fine to to, to, re, to go back, regroup, and rethink about what your app can mean. Uh, and it, it, as long as you're not completely reinventing the wheel, because um, otherwise you might as well just start again, but you're kind of tweaking it on the outside, and um, I like to call it pivoting. So you've, you've still got one foot on the ground in terms of what the app stands for, but it does give you the kind of flexibility to change direction without starting uh, completely again. And that, that's totally normal. I think there's a lot of products out there that were used in a completely different way to how they were um, how they were initially conceived to be used. But, that, but that's fine because you're, you're now making something that is relevant to, to the users. Yeah, I think that's important to remember that it's all right to regroup. I think so many people, especially when it is a... a, a I was just about to say the word traditional app, and I can't believe I'm saying traditional and app in the same sentence. <laughs> but you, if you imagine the traditional app idea, and you sort of take it through this process, having the idea in the pub and throwing it around on a, on a Monday, Tuesday morning, trying to flesh it out over the next few weeks. And if it doesn't work the first time, it's very easily, it's, sorry, it's very easy to get distracted and say, well, this has just failed. This just didn't work. And what you're saying there, Adam, is that it's all right to come back and say, well, do you know what? It's not a failure as such. It just needs to shift a little bit. And how do you tend to find customers or clients or partners that you work with? Are they quite pragmatic with that, or do, do they tend to hold on to that passion that they had early on? Is it does it become <coughs> difficult to shift? Uh, it can become difficult, especially if um, so. If someone's really set in their ways and they were they were adamant from day one that this was going to change the world, um, they they can they they will turn a blind eye to what. The what to what the feedback says and that's 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 a real challenge um so that, and then it kind of it would then fall back to us to to try and articulate that or put that across in a way to say that you've invested this much you know we're you're only gonna have to just the, these few tweaks it's just worth let's just give it a go let's let's make these changes let's listen to this feedback listen to the concerns because a lot of people like it for this so why don't we just slightly Put it in that direction. So I, I guess the, the good, a really good example of that, as I mentioned earlier, this, this jukebox, this jukebox application we conceived a few years ago, and it's all, it was all around sort of SMS requests when you're sitting in a pub to, to obviously influence the music that's playing around you, uh, and that was that was that was the key idea. That was what we went to market with. Um, but it was also a, a very good background music application, so um, the landlords could obviously choose rather than Spotify playlists. You're just choosing. Um, sort of genres or times or or decades, and setting a time, setting a time like a schedule for that, and just putting it on and forgetting about it. So that was part of the jukebox system. But we the the background music side of things started is what people were using, and now we kind of toned down the jukebox sides of what the application is, and now it's now it's a viable background music um, application that's used in shops, um, used in restaurants where 
users don't even get to choose what song they are, but we, we kind of refocused and used it just as a sort of background music application. Um, now we could have been, we could have been really, really kind of um, stubborn and said, no, this is an amazing idea. It's all about the, the request. It's all about the SMS. It's all about the jukebox. Had we had done that, we would have stunted our growth way more than, than what we've enjoyed. Um, so it's just a case of just admitting to yourself, okay, well, we have an idea. Um, it's good and it's getting some traction, but what people really like is, is is something that we would have never even thought of in a million years that would be successful. But, you know, the market doesn't lie, so let's let's concentrate on that. So the interesting thing there is that, that the app itself and the software, that you know, the goal that it sets out to achieve is relatively similar to your original idea, but the use case has just changed. And did you... Did you change your marketing to suit that? And I know that sounds like a really obvious question, but I would imagine it can be sometimes difficult to get everything, all of your ducks in a row. Did you completely shift the focus of the marketing and everything that went with it? Um, yeah, yeah, we did exactly that. So we yeah, we turned down, so rather than, so the, the jukebox element of it just became um, a kind of add-on feature if you want it. Um, we weren't shouting about it at all because obviously it was still of interest to some. So, but it's kind of, oh, that's a great thing to have. Um, well, that's a nice little addition to to the app, rather than this is what the app is. Um, so yeah, it required a little bit of sort of rethinking in terms of how we're going to market it, who are we talking to. Obviously, we, we were primarily targeting breweries and pubs and, and know anybody where people are likely to be drinking and, and playing music. Um, but this opened us up to target um, retail chains, shopping malls, um, there's, there's uh, ice rinks, anything really. So it kind of completely changes. <clears throat> your marketing, but, but that's fine. And no, we're okay with that because we're, we're, we'd, we'd rather it be a success than be totally sort of committed and passionate about what we first set out to do. And, and, that, and that's the real thing. You have to be flexible. You have to listen to what, what, what the, what the public is saying. Otherwise you will end up just wasting money and, and, you know, just all pouring money down the drain, trying to get something to work that perhaps will never work. Yeah. I think that's really important. And just, uh, just to kind of move further down that marketing path then, because marketing generally, is never an overnight thing, and especially when it comes to someone adopting a new piece of software or integrating a new piece of kit into their business or into their lives. Do you find that, especially from the client side of things, so perhaps less so when you're building your own stuff, do the clients understand generally that this can be quite a long process? So the first marketing campaign, the first push, the first round of even beta signups might not go as well as, as they think. How do you guys manage that expectation and, and, and sort of work people through that? Yeah, so generally they've not thought about that step just yet, <laughs> which is strange. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of, it's a great idea. It's, it's, you know, if I build it, it's going to be successful. Um, and it's just, okay, well, that's, you have to, you have to save some money for, for the marketing of it. We can't just build it. It's not, you can't guarantee that it's going to um, spread like wildfire. You can't guarantee that the app store, if it was a mobile app, are going to pick pick it up. There's there's thousands of people releasing this stuff every single day, so we have to think of the marketing strategy. And I, I guess the, the tricky thing here is a lot of these new apps you're building thing you're building something, and if it's good and if it's unique, you're building something that people don't know exist. So they're never going to search for an app that does X Y Z because they don't know it's out there, and you can't rely on people knowing knowing that they have that problem to be fixed. So there's there's a lot you have to consider in terms of getting out there, especially sort of around B2B applications um, where, you know, you, you have to prove to the company or whoever you're talking to, I know you've got a problem. 
Uh, we've put a lot of research into fixing that, um, and it could be trials, could be demos, uh, and then a lot of work that also needs to go into the actual website itself, and then you need to work out the whole kind of target, the targeting strategy, traffic strategy, um, kind of demoing and sign up, and maybe guest pass, guest pass kind of approach to it before they actually sign up to start using the app. So, but they've very rarely um, got that far, and there, maybe there is a sort of a touch of naivety around it. Whereas, well, obviously this is a good idea. It it, it must is going to be successful. Um, I don't really need to worry about marketing. That's that's totally common. I think uh, there's an interesting. Uh, well, I'll rephrase that. I'll rephrase it into a question. Actually, do you think the the super successful apps that we see that are out there? that are either solving B2B problems, you know, the Trellos of the world, the Evernotes, the Dropboxes, and then things that are B2C oriented, like the Ubers and the Airbnbs of the world, which are these super, super successful stories. Do you think that sometimes leads to this slightly jaded expectation that an app on the App Store or a new piece of software will just instantly be a success? Has that made things more difficult from a realistic perspective? Uh, yes, absolutely, because the, the, the papers are full of um, sort of successes and people are always seeing uh, the IPOs, there's these apps that are floating and they, they just see the dollar signs and they get excited. But they, they a lot of work has gone in, so nothing happens overnight um, and nothing happens you know, on, 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 a, on a super uh, sort of shoestring budget. So I, th- I think there's, there is the kind of expectation out there that know building a good app is going to make you instantly rich and i think that's people can get kind of short short sighted by that and yeah it's just like any other business if it's starting from scratch you need to build the momentum you need to build a set of users up that love your product it's, it's not going to happen quickly now that's that's a faster process with b2c because you know you're more likely to um reap rewards of word of mouth and etc uh and you obviously can use pr and talk to a lot more people but in b2b that's not really a thing. You kind of have to approach people separately. So it's a it's a lot longer, a lot longer process. Every every sale is going to take human time. You can't automate a B two B sale that easily unless it's a super easy product. Um, whereas obviously you, you can't afford to put any sales time into a B two C product. You you want people to sign up and start using it one hundred percent automatically. That's really interesting, and and, and especially the distinction between um, the software and it being a digital product, and a very key word that you mentioned in there, which is a business, because those inquiries that land on your desk on a Monday and a Tuesday after the ideas in the pub, do people generally believe that they're starting a business with this? And that's a question that I I don't know if even they would know the answer to. Uh, They don't. So obviously a lot of these are qualified out very quickly, but... um... But yeah, occasionally then somebody has thought a bit more about it. They've got the money to back it up. They're, they've got the time, they're determined to put the effort into it. Um, and they're, they're, the, they're the ones that move forward. So out of all the inquiries, there's probably only you know 5% would go to a meeting because we get a lot of, obviously, the first thing you type in is app developer. Um, so a lot of it's going to be you know, unqualified anyway. But when you, when you get to the stage where you've got people, um, could be businesses or somebody who's willing to, to put the effort in, um, to make this work, then obviously they're the ones we we, we pursue, and you know, we can get something out of it at the end. 
Love it. Fantastic. Well, Adam, we framed that really, really nicely. I think we've sort of, we've covered a heck of a lot of, of, of the entire process there from the ideas right through to trying to get this thing to market that people are wanting to create. So what I'd like to do now, sir, is move into the excellence, excellence expected even. I must put my teeth in this morning. Excellence expected <laughs> actionable tips section. So I know you've been busy putting together three actionable tips for people looking to create a digital product that they can take to market. So, sir, what is the first actionable tip? Sure. Okay. So the, f- the first one is work out uh, feature ROIs, which, um, so that's just, so again, this is something that we would look, look to at the beginning of a project. So that's for each feature. I mean, each feature that you're developing, your A, it's got cost um, in terms to do it, but it's also every feature is going to dilute your, is, is got a sort of dilution factor as well in terms of what the product is. So we have to be careful about what features actually make it. And so every feature needs to pay for itself. Um, and this is, again, you, you're going through the same danger of, of just trying to um, do everything at once because you're so excited about what, what the product has to do. And there could be a, a feature on it. So um, wouldn't it be nice if when I type this in, it comes up with a load of suggestions to do X, Y, Z. Um, that's cool, but that's quite heavy AI. That's going to that's gonna cost 50% of development time just to do that. And in the user's eyes, that's that's a nice to have. That's that's not a must have feature. So let's scribble that one out for now. Um, and you basically do that for all the features. How much is it going to cost in terms of development? How much is it going to cost in terms of diluting the products? And then work out whether it's a, something a user needs or is it a nice to have that they're not that fussed about. And I think where things go wrong is we try to cram too many nice-to-haves in there, um, dilute the brand, and your your number one product, which we don't know is going to be a success or not, is it has cost too much to make because it does everything. So it's just a case of sort of working out per feature, is this going to get any extra sign-ups? Is this going to increase the conversion when they're reading what the benefits of the software is? Or is it just a nice-to-have that, they that, they're, that they're indifferent about? Um, so yeah, it's just a case of looking at each feature and, and boiling it down uh, individually, whether it's worth pursuing or not. I think that's that's really important, and it's difficult sometimes to see that as a genuine business decision as well, because I would imagine people do get so bogged down with ideas. Because you mentioned right at the beginning about having these briefing sessions and getting everyone together in a room, and when you've got this melting pot of creativity and the ability to actually put things together and see the value in them it can be quite tough to pull out the things that aren't going to return anything. So I think that's a really, 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 really valuable point. And let's dig into the second actionable tip, please. So, so yes, yeah, so this one is um, keep the proposition simple. So this, it kind of ties into the first one, but, um, but this kind of more, this is far more important for the marketing of your product. So again, it's, can, can you explain it within a sentence? So obviously, think of all the popular, if you think of like Uber, um, Airbnb, Tinder, anything that's had massive success recently, you can explain exactly what it does, the one thing that it does really, really well. Um, and they've stuck to that, and that's that's the reason for their success. So if you're trying to explain what your app does, and it's taking you more than 30 seconds because it's so big, then that's you can't market that. People just aren't going to get their heads around it. So again, let's keep find the one thing that you want to um sort of put to focus on and that's your proposition and that's a simple proposition is so marketable because people get it you can you can cram it into an advert exactly what it, how it's going to help somebody and it's not over complicating because people don't people don't have to think about your product they've they don't owe you any time at all to consider whether it's worth it or not so you have to kind of buy that time from them you have to earn 
the headspace to consider your product in the first place. The only way to do that is a nice, simple message um, of, of what it is your product does uh, in order to, to engage them to sort of look at it further. Yeah, and that, I feel that that's probably something that is a, an attention thing as well because the consumers, especially in B2C market, consumers are pulled in so many directions with so many different types of offer every single day that if it's not simple, I guess they just won't spend the time looking into it. So again, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic point. And the third and final actionable tip, please, sir. Uh, yeah, so the third one, which I feel I've already given away, um, but it's, uh, yeah, be prepared to pivot. Um, hugely important. So that's, it's, uh, but it's also, it's, getting, it's understanding the difference between pivoting and being headless chicken running around not really knowing what you're doing. So pivoting is totally fine because in the example I gave earlier, it was it was the same technology, it was the same app. It didn't require a massive rewrite to to, to change the entire sort of direction of, of the product. So it was it was a it was a relatively cheap pivot, um, if that makes sense. So it's just a case of you know understanding what that means. So having you know you've got your anchor point in terms of what what your product is, but yeah, but don't be afraid to change direction. That's that's so so important. We see so many people. I think I was. I think it was must have been Dropbox. I was reading about maybe two or three weeks ago about the first time they applied to Y Combinator and then just didn't get in and came back mm. the second time with something that was just different enough. They pivoted just enough to be really, really valuable to people. Mm. And I think that's such an important lesson to learn that it's not necessarily a failure if you have to change. And it's just as you say, we did we did talk about it earlier, but that. The idea that you've got to let go of some of that passion if you can see that things aren't quite right. So I think that's so so important. I, I think actually in any any level of business, whether it's digital or not. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think I, I think let go of the passion um, is, is 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 tough to do, especially if you're talking to really excitable people that you know, believe it's it's correct, and you you, you don't want to always be the bad guy that's saying Look, let's let's rethink about this, Let, let's regroup. But um, sometimes, you know, tough love is what it needs to to get something successful. I love that. That's a fantastic quote. That's really, really good. Adam, thank you so much, sir. That has been a really, really solid episode. Really enjoyed that. And that's absolutely packed full of value. So before we wrap it up, sir, can you just tell the listeners where they can find you online, please? Uh, indeed. So uh, the agency's uh, Rawnet, which is rawnet.com, um, or just Twitter is rawnet hashtag. Super stuff. Thank you so much, Adam. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Mark. My real pleasure. And guys, for you listening out there, don't forget everything that myself and Adam have spoken about today will be available at excellence-expected.com, where you can also pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. Until next time, thank you ever so much for listening. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.